Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Matthew chapter 10 and reading for our text, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Our Lord had been sending forth his disciples to preach the gospel and in doing so they were going to come across men, men that would oppose them, men that would seek to destroy them And we think of the history of the early church and how true that that was. And the Apostle Paul especially suffered much at the hands of his fellow countrymen, cast into prison, beaten with rods, and many such uh, abuses that he had. And here our Lord is preparing his disciples as they go forth and that they should not be afraid of man. The fear of man would curtail their ministries. It would uh, make them ineffectual all the while that they were seeking to uh, avoid man or fearing that what they were saying would bring about the wrath of man, then they wouldn't be as effectual. They wouldn't be able to uh, preach at all. And so... The Lord is warning them here about these things and warning us and advising and teaching us how we can overcome that fear, fear of man. And especially as we remember today the conflicts, especially those which involved our nation and the very real times in 1940, we think of on the 26th of May when the king called a national day of prayer and how many lines there were, those people queuing up to go into the churches and the wonderful answer to prayer in the evacuation of our troops from Dunkirk and many answers, Normandy as well, of prayer that was put up so that we in our lands here did not have the enemy troops here. We did not see death uh, in that way. Yes, we had many lost their lives through the bombing uh, raids, uh, but uh, we didn't endure what many on in Europe did endure. And now at this time, when we hear of the conflicts in Ukraine, not only here we can see the effects, the streets in Ukraine that had been just like ours with their houses, their fuel stations and uh, all of the uh, structure of their nation just suddenly destroyed. And in those early days of that war, people going about uh, with their cars and suddenly turn a corner and there is a tank and and they're blown up. Uh, The distresses that we cannot envisage just in our... Uh, urban streets being brought to us right on our doorstep 
Many there endured such sorrows as loss of their loved ones, their homes and everything. And then we have it now in Israel, uh, the sudden attack of Hamas, and now Israel's counter-attack, and the distress both in Israel and in Gaza. We feel for those that have death as a very real thing at hand, and man to fear as having great power. And so we would use uh, such occasions as this to remind us of what the Lord is speaking here concerning men. We uh, have at times a very real fear. Fear of man is a very real thing because they can and they do kill the body. They do put an end to our existence here below. So we have then in our text, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So on to look this morning just at two main points. Firstly, the fear of man. We are told in Proverbs 29 that the fear of man, it bringeth a snare. There is a counter uh, verse to that. Uh, The fear of man bringeth a snare. And the verse goes on, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. But the fear of man does hold many. And when we think of uh, dear Peter and his weakness, our Lord had said to him, Satan hath desired to have uh, you, thee, and uh, to uh, have you and, and Sift you as wheat, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. But it didn't stop Peter from denying his Lord and Master. And we have the record of that. It must have been a very painful thing for Peter to look back upon right through his life, how that he came to see the end, see what would happen Uh, to our Lord and we read in Matthew 26 and verse 69 Peter sat without in the palace and a damsel came unto him saying thou wast also wast with Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee but he denied before them all saying I know not what thou sayest and when he was gone out into the porch another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, and said unto him, Before the cock crow, 
Thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. And when we think of Peter, who was to be so greatly used and to uh, preach the word, and here he is, afraid of a maid, afraid of being identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it seems to be uh, Peter's weakness, as it was also repeated again. And Paul, he writes to the Galatians and he speaks of how that Peter, he had to reprove him because he had feared the Jews. Peter knew of all people that God had gone to the Gentiles. He'd had the vision of the sheet let down from heaven, all the unclean beasts in it, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, not so, Lord, that I've never eaten that which is common or unclean. And the Lord said to him, Thou shalt not call that which God hath cleansed common or unclean. And he taught him this, to go to the Gentiles. The Lord was cleansing them. He'd send the word to them. But then there came the time described by Paul in Galatians 2 and verse 14 that it was that Peter had, or verse 12, we could uh, say that when Peter came to Antioch, before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. Why? Fearing them which were of the circumcision. And he says how that even Barnabas was carried away with his dissimulation preaching one thing, but because of the fear of man, they're not walking according to the truth of the gospel. Paul says, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And he seeks to set before him as the justification not by works but by faith in Christ and that we are not to be then ashamed of the doctrines of the gospel, the very uh, precious truths of the gospel but it was through the fear of man that uh, Peter did this and I have known the same when I was first called and 20 years of age and beginning a new place of worship and I would sit, would sit with the other workers to have my lunch and I wanted to just quietly bow my head and ask a blessing on the food and the fear of man, how they would react, how what they would say kept me from it and I made many, many resolutions and each time I got home, felt more and more miserable because I could not overcome the fear of man. And this went on for several months. And it was not until the Lord came and so blessed and favoured me in my soul to be able to view my sins laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. And under the sense of that blessing, which lasted several weeks, I just went to, to work and no more feared man, 
I, I could bow my head and it ended up that I used to bring in then the uh, denomination magazines and bring in my Bible and read in front of them and the most they did was look over my shoulder and see what I was reading and it has helped me to uh, be unashamed of my faith but I never ever forget the, the time that I did feel so fearful of man. And I had a couple of times too when taking the reading services at Melbourne and I vividly remember in the vestry putting my hand upon the doorknob to go into the church. The congregation was there. I was to go up to the desk to read and the tremendous fear of man. I could hardly open that door and step out in front of others. And of course now being in the ministry uh, just on 30 years, I am so aware that if the Lord took away that help to stand before men, that that fear would be crippling. And we need, and the Lord knew the disciples need here, that if they were going to preach, if they were going to not water down the truth and speak it, if they were going to speak it faithfully, they needed to be delivered from the fear of man. And I believe I proved it very early on, even before going into the ministry, that the help of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, is absolutely vital. And Peter knew this. These things that happened to Peter, they happened at first before the Holy Spirit was being given and before he went out to preach and then early on and even to have a brother in the ministry that would reprove him for fearing man. And so the fear of man is a very real thing. It is right, we are told here, our Lord said, if they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. We are not to just stay and put ourselves in harm's way or make it so that we are killed. We think of David who constantly before he was king he fled from King Saul. He feared for his life and in the end I mean the Lord had preserved him and kept him in Israel but in the end he said I shall surely perish one day at the hand of Saul in spite of my anointing in spite of the Lord's protection so he goes over to the Philistines and goes into Ziklag. The Lord overruled then. The Lord kept him away while Saul and his sons were slain. And in that final battle, David was in God's providence, put right out of the way. And, and, and with Ziklag being taken by the Amalekites, the Lord made sure he was busy during that time. So we see the Lord's overruling hand. But we see the effect of the fear of man and his right to take those steps to preserve our bodies and to, uh, to, to not be put into the, the way of harm deliberately. And I often thought of the, the case of the martyrs, many that were put to death even in this area, in Kent, in the days of Mary, Queen Mary and yet the puzzle is some were put to death others that were still ministering were not and 
I think you will find that there were those that in their ministry, they were brought before judges, before rulers, brought to prominence, and they were then uh, condemned to death, where there was others that were still preaching that they weren't thrust in God's providence right in the path of those that would persecute them. And we find that today. We can even look uh, on the news and you can find some of the Lord's people that in God's providence they've come across those who bitterly oppose their preaching. Uh, they've had to oppose things that have been done in their presence and they've suffered for it. Whereas others may be preaching in their churches the same things and, and they don't suffer for it. Uh, and so uh, the Lord is sovereign in this way. And those things we've sung in our hymn about my life's minute circumstance is subject to his eye. We're not to deliberately go out and look for trouble, look for persecution. Daniel didn't do it. Uh, his Hebrew friends didn't do it. Uh, they had to stand before uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, they had burning fire before them and told to bow down to the idol that Nebuchadnezzar has made. But they feared God more than Nebuchadnezzar. They knew that God would deliver them out of his hand, whether in body or, or through their souls. And so Daniel as well, when uh, he was to go into the lion's den, he didn't deliberately seek that, but he just continued doing what he'd always done before. I've often felt that that is a, a good thing to think of when if persecution should come. May we have habits, good habits. May we have an order of service and things that we are doing already in place so that if we have the question then what shall we do? There's persecution, we're banned from our churches, we're not allowed to do this or that. We just continue doing what we've always done. Not to think, well, they've banned public prayer, oh, we better start a, uh, start a prayer meeting because we don't want to be seen to be not having a prayer meeting when it's banned. No, you have the prayer meeting in place already and you just continue on in what you're doing. But the... Apostle Paul, he says and gives one secret to uh, how he, his attitude was. He says, neither count I my life dear unto me. All the time we're thinking of our life, our reputation, our good name. That will keep us back from many things. But the Apostle Paul, he says that he did not count his life dear in that way. He would preach the word, whatever the issue was. And he says that many were encouraged by the fact that though he was still preaching, yet the worst that happened to him was to have bonds and was shut up in bonds. And so they were encouraged then to, to preach, knowing that it didn't end in death. But the apostle implication was that others that were preaching they still had to overcome the fear of man. And it was a little help to them, as it were, to see the apostle and the punishment that he had 
not unto death. So it is something that I believe all of the Lord's dear people will know something of and might be an encouragement to some this morning who have known what that is, maybe have painful times in the past why, where they have not owned their Lord, they have not spoken as they should have, or that they have been fearful of man and denied the Lord Jesus like Peter did. And may it be uh, to assure that this is something the Lord knows about, he gives helps with, as, as in the passage here and in our text, and that God's dear children uh, are not without those falls and those fears. The devil will say, ah, if you really knew the Lord, if you really feared him, if you re really believed in him, you wouldn't fear man. You wouldn't deny your Lord. You'd be able to go as a stoic through this world and whatever happened, you'd just continue on. But that is not the case. We are creatures of fear. One of our hymns says, creatures of fear. We drag along, we fear where no fear is sometimes. And other times it is a very real fear. And so the fear of man is something that you and I need to be aware of. It may be we uh, exercise burdened about walking in the Lord's ways, baptism or coming to the Lord's table and the fear of man, it holds us back, it keeps us, keeps us back. What will men say? What will people say? How, how will they react if I do this? If I make public profession? If I make a stand in my workplace against the Sabbath trading? or uh, against something else that is being done, what will happen? And that fear of man sometimes can come so suddenly, so quickly. And so may this word be a, a help this morning. The uh, Lord then saying to his dear disciples concerning the uh, fear of man and fear not them that which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell I want to look then secondly at those considerations to counter the fear of man. The first thing that the Lord brings here is that we have not only a body, but we also have a soul. Man is unique in this. He is an eternal being. He is created with a body like the beasts of the field, but he is also in possession of a soul which they do not have. The seed of Abraham is body and soul. And this is how we were created by our maker and formed, breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, the Lord giving us that soul, that which really is the real person, 
that is in a tabernacle, an earthly tabernacle here below. And yet we are told that at death then the soul is separated from that tabernacle and it returns to him that gave it. And it must return unto God and unto the judgment day. And so the first thing is that we are to think on this. What are we? Who are we? That death does not deal with all aspects of us. We have that which is eternal. Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. And so this then is the second thing to think. That those that kill the body, they cannot touch the soul. Really the greatest danger concerning the soul is to be taught false doctrine with the martyrs. The thing that the Roman Catholic Church tried to do was to get them to deny their faith, to deny their Lord, to embrace the Mass, the blasphemous sacrificial uh, sacrifice that supposedly sacrificed again the Lord. There's only one sacrifice, that's at Calvary. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance service. It is not in any way a sacrifice. And those that would not partake and denied that error, uh, then they were put to death, some of them at the stake. And uh, it is... Uh, more danger, if you like, to that one that escaped the stake, but they actually denied their faith, went back and walked no more with the Lord. And we think today the men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and going after the things of this world and Satan's snares and the love of riches that which is the fall of so many. Bunyan in his Pilgrim's Progress, he speaks of his Christian going on and passing the silver mine and then realising that all of the steps went in and none out and one that came behind them went in and was never seen again in the way. How many have fallen through prosperity or the love of riches? We think of the warnings to Israel of old when they came into the promised land, that lest when they were rich and prospered and blessed in that land, then they forgot the Lord and walked not in his ways, which did come to pass. They took up with idols and false gods, and they were of more danger to them than even that which was to kill the body. And so while we know that man is not able to kill the soul at the same time as he puts the body to death, we know that the great danger is that man with false teaching, Satan coming in as an angel of light, is a danger to the soul in that way. But when we're thinking, uh, as the Lord here with his disciples, bring forth the truth, preaching the truth, preaching the word of the kingdom. And uh, if they kept to that, held to that, 
And what was threatened was the death of their body. They were to remember that those that killed their bodies could not kill their soul. We think of Stephen, the first martyr, Christian martyr in the New Testament, and how that he spoke the truth, he warned the Jews, he traced right through Abraham, Moses, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, charged them with his crucifixion and death, but they stoned him. And as he was dying, then he saw in a vision the Lord standing at the right hand of God, ready to receive him. The soul departs the body and returns to God that gave it. The soul of Stephen was not destroyed under those stones. It wasn't destroyed with his body, no. This body must be laid in the grave at one time or another. It is the Lord that appoints the time and the way. We think of Josiah, godly king Josiah. He was only eight years of age when he came to the kingdom of Judah. And uh, he was the one that they found the book of the law in the temple and how he humbled himself before God as realising that great wrath was upon them because they had not walked in the ways of the Lord. He was a great reformer. And the Lord said to him that he would judge Israel and for the sins of Manasseh, his father, and there would come that time that all would be carried away and it was in Babylon. But the Josiah, he would be spared seeing that. He would go to the grave in peace. That was the blessing that God gave him. Well, how he actually died was fighting with Pharaoh. And so you would say, well, he, he, he died in war. He died a violent death. But the Lord said he was to go to his grave in peace. What the Lord meant was he would not see the judgments that Israel and Judah was going to see. And the death then was, even though it came by way of war, it was a release to him. It was the way that he was, his soul was released from this body and brought to God. And we all must die. Man must die. That time is appointed by God. We think of when Jeroboam, that wicked first king of Israel, the ten tribes, his son was sick and he sent his wife to make out she was another woman and to ask whether the son would would live or not. And the prophet that she came to was blind. The Lord told him that she was going to make out she was another woman and told him that that child would die. And one thing he said that was because in him only is some good, in the house of Jeroboam is some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel. And you think, what? God is saying there's some good thing in that man, that young man, that boy, and therefore I'm going to take away his life. 
It was spoken of as a blessing. That that was a time he should die, cease from living here, so that his soul would be released and be with the Lord. We think of in Isaiah, those the righteous perisheth, no man laying it to heart that they are taken from the wrath to come. And it's when death is a blessing, and yet we know that we must die because of sin. Sin entering into the world and death by sin it is under the judgment of God. But man, man that we see in front of our eyes, man that we would fear, that man is not able to touch and destroy the soul. So that then is the second consideration we should think. The third is this, there is a rather fear, but rather fear him. So a counter fear. On one side there's a fear of man, on the other side there's to be the fear of God. A real clear view of God. You might say, well man, I can see man. David, he could see Goliath, he could see his spear, he could see his shield, he could see his height, his stature, and all he had was a sling and a stone. But he didn't. He said, I come to thee in the name of the true and the living God. His faith, he saw God. He saw who was on his side. We think of Elisha with his servant when the host of Syria came all around the mountain and in the morning uh, the servant, he said, Alas, master, how shall we do? He was looking at all the men, all the horses, the chariots, the warriors. And Elijah said, fear not, they're more with us than be with them. And he prayed, Lord, open the young man's eyes. And then he saw round about the mountain chariots of horses and chariots of fire. The Lord's host, hidden from natural view, but there to protect, to preserve. The Lord encampeth around them that fear him and delivereth them. We think of Peter when he was shut up in prison. He could see the prison doors. He could feel the chains about him. He knew there was the guards outside of the doors. And yet he was asleep. He could rest. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And the Lord sent his angel, and he awoke him, and broke off his chains, and opened the doors, and killed the, uh, the, the keepers, or the keepers were uh, made asleep. And Peter is released and brought out. God has sent his angel and delivered. But God didn't deliver James before. James had been slain with the sword. God is sovereign. How he delivers, how he preserves his people. Peter says, delivered from all the expectation of the Jews. We do fear and reverence this sovereign God who is able to do far above all we can ask or think 
who is sovereign, who raises some uh, to life, some extends their lives, some cuts their lives short. But we are told here a very specific thing that he is able to do, destroy both soul and body in hell. We are under by nature the sentence of death. We are fallen sons of Adam and that, that means both soul and body. And it is of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord bearing in his body the sins of his people, that he laid down his life to take it again so that he would pay the debt that they owed, that he would suffer in their place. And we are to look at what the Lord did to deliver his people from being destroyed body and soul in hell. Because without Christ's sacrifice, without his death, without them crucifying him, without him laying down his life and taking it again, there would be no way to escape the destruction of soul and body in hell. In this verse, though it is not specifically pointed to, you would point to what our Lord endured and his death to deliver us from hellfire. And the Lord is able to destroy, yes, and he will destroy all outside of Christ. But he is able to save unto the uttermost all that come unto God by him. And in the verses that follow, we have the assurance of simple illustrations. Two sparrows sold for a farthing. One of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Very hairs of your head, all numbered. Our lives are mapped out by God, not by man. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. This must have been a hard word for Peter to remember, wasn't it? But whoso shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And of course Peter was restored. And what a wonderful thing that we do have, that example for any that in weakness does deny the Lord. But... It comes down to very personal, doesn't it? Father, mother, in the, in the very home. A man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. We can be fearful of a father or mother or fearful uh, of those close at hand. But there's a cross to take up. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. We might be thinking and looking at all of those round about us, thinking, I won't deny the Lord before him or before her or before these people, but not realising it's those, perhaps a husband or a wife or children, our own family are actually keeping us from walking in the ways of the Lord. They're making us deny the Lord. They're moulding what we do and what we don't do. They're fashioning what we believe and how we're walking. Think of Peter. One thing to preach concerning the Gentiles and the Jews brought in, 
But then there was his practice, and his practice was not going along with what he believed. And therefore Paul reproved him. We can be the same. You can say, oh, well, this is what I believe, but does our practice go along with it? Or are we, in effect, fearing man? And so we're not bringing forth fruit to perfection. We think of the beautiful words that are set before us in in the uh, prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 51 and verses 12 and through 13. I, I, even I am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die? And the son of man which shall be made as grass. And forgettest the Lord thy maker that hath stretched forth the heavens laid the foundations of the earth and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The Lord is the protector, the keeper of his saints, of his people. And the God is our refuge, our hiding place. He is our hope in the day of trouble. And we are to commit unto him that day that this mortal shall put on immortality when this mortal is laid in the grave but the soul released, absent from the body and present with the Lord. And in the meantime, we are to remember the Lord's words, especially those of us in the ministry, but it applies to all the Lord's dear people And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The Lord deliver us from the fear of man when it bringeth a snare, robs the Lord of his glory, takes away our comfort, takes away his sweet presence with us. The Lord add his blessing. Amen.